Greetings to all our audience members out there. You are in the right place. You are here for the Safety and Health Magazine webcast sponsored by Dacre North America. We're going to give our audience just about a minute to get settled today, and then we'll begin our presentation. Thank you. Thanks again to all the folks joining us today. We're going to give our audience another 30 seconds or so to get settled, and then we will begin our presentation today, sponsored by DECRA North America. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast, Safe Days and Safe Decisions, Decision Science That Keeps People and Operations Safely in Control, sponsored by DACRA North America. My name is Barry Botino, and I am an Associate Editor with Safety and Health Magazine. I'll be moderating today's event. On behalf of our entire National Safety Council team, we thank you all for joining us today. We'll start the presentation in a couple of minutes, but first I'd like to share just a few housekeeping items with you today. As a disclaimer, the views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the council or the mag magazine endorses those items. After today's presentation, we'll conduct a question and answer session with our speakers. To ask a question, just click on the Q&A button located at the bottom of your screen, type in your question, and press the send button. You can ask your question at any time during the presentation. You do not have to wait for the Q&A to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but we might not get to every question. The good news is that any unanswered questions will be forwarded along to our speakers. After this presentation, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey, but I'll tell you more about that a little bit later. This webcast is archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, please go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com events, or you'll receive a link in our post-event email. With that, let's introduce our presenters. With us today are Mike Christian, David Musgrave, and Matt Hargrove. Mike serves as the Senior Director of Safety, Health, and Environmental at Sunbelt Rentals. He's an accomplished leader with more than two decades of experience in the profession in various sectors, including manufacturing and rental. As a Vice President at DACRA, David leads the Brain-Centric Reliability Group. His team's work includes designing and enhancing workplaces and processes and developing human performance capabilities, all with the human brain in mind. Matt is a principal consultant at DACRA, and he serves as a leader within the brain-centric reliability team. His focus is on leading-edge solutions, incorporating the latest in applied behavior and neuroscience. Again, we thank you all for tuning into this presentation today. David, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. All right, thanks, Barry. And thanks everybody for joining here, my colleagues and all of you as well. Um, it's uh, good to see you and we'll have some fun today talking about uh, safe decisions and safe days. So how do we get uh, more great things happening um, even than they are already? So you can see it on the screen here, uh, just a couple of things that we'll talk about today uh, to keep our, our discussion moving along. So we'll kick off with a little bit of uh, neuroscience insights. So I'll kick us off today and, and just talk about kind of setting the stage for uh, just a few items that we can talk with, uh, talk about uh, with regards, um, you know, what's new in neuroscience and how is that informing uh, safe work you know, these days uh, across organizations. We'll talk as well about some practical applications of decision science. So that's really important. So, um, you know, how do you take 
uh, really good research and then be able to apply that where it really counts um, you know, within organizations all the way to boots on the ground so that safer decisions are being made um, like never before. So we'll get into some of that. Um, we're definitely gonna hear uh, from Mike Christian uh, around uh, safety learning teams uh, that create alignment on exposure control. Uh, and we can really have a look at uh, you know, how can we keep people really engaged so that we're keeping each other safe. So those are kind of the big buckets that we're gonna talk about uh, here today. Of course, your questions will inform we talk about as well. So um, as Barry said, use the chat, um, you know, reach out to us. We're happy to talk with you um, about other things that are not on this list. But onwards into discussions here. Well, David, that brings us to our first poll question. We'd like to get to know a little bit about our audience today. So we're gonna launch our first poll question here. And the question is, people generally get the important things right, but what system gaps do you most commonly contribute to significant errors? So we'll give our audience about 30 to 45 seconds to respond to our first question here. And choose whichever option you feel best suits you and your organization. And now we can go ahead and push those results to our audience. And it looks like uh, we have a pretty close uh, tie there between all three of our responses there. David, any uh, surprise there that, that folks are experiencing all three of those options? So I, was, I was curious about how people would sort of respond here. Um, they're, you know, they're all correct, if you will, for, you know, for most organizations. And so we were keen to, to see you know, what would folks pick if you, if you just had to pick one. Um, so yeah, not a huge surprise there to see that we've split the pack here a little bit. Uh, but we'll talk what we'll talk about here um, in this kind of next section, uh, you know, taps into all of those things. Um, and so yeah, let's uh, let's continue on and do that now, shall we? So when we talk about uh, you know making sure that exposures are kept low making sure that you know work is well designed etc um, all the things you know related to the poll question um, yeah we, we really need to get into sort of uh, conversations around how do people go at work you know human design um, and, and just how do people make decisions at work typically and lots and lots of factors that are going to weigh in on that but um, yeah more and more what we see now are the most progressive organizations on the planet are they're, they're really more focused on uh, decision quality and particularly how can we as a business uh, help people to make um, even better decisions as we go along. Now, of course, people make great decisions anyway. So on their own, uh, most of the decisions that can be did day to day, they work just fine um, and they are correct, if you will. Uh, it only takes but one or two, as everybody on this, uh, on this session would know, um, to get us off sideways or really have somebody you get seriously injured um, or um, have an operation kind of thrown into an upset condition, um, which obviously you know, increases exposure to, to safety issues as well, just, just that alone. Um, or maybe we even have something worse happen you know, into the sort of uh, um, the world of catastrophes and things like that. So um, getting ahead of all this um, within looking at safety management systems is what a lot of organizations are doing right now. Just given that we can have more influence over how people make decisions correctly, when it really counts, so the big deal decisions. Um, when myself and, and Mike and Matt um, are talking, well, what we hardly ever talk about is all those smaller decisions that really don't matter sometimes. Um, the day-to-day -day stuff that people are just regulating and get things wrong, and that's gonna happen. We're human, if you will. And so now we'll just focus down on, you know, what are those, uh, the bigger ones. Now, of course, uh, a lot of the actions that people take um, while they're doing a critical task, um, they may not be thinking about that at all. They've, they've gotten so good at their job that their um, sort of habit brain, if you will, will kind of kick in. Uh, we often refer to it as fast brain, stealing a little bit from Daniel Kahneman's work um, or in system one and system two, but we like to call it fast brain. And that language tends to catch on a little bit um, amongst the workforce as well. So people people get that. Um, so you know, I'm not really thinking; I'm just doing. Um, that part of my brain is uh, driving me to move quickly, um, and and that's really why we have that part of our brain. Um, it's so that we we're not sitting and perseverating and overthinking all the time. 
about what's going on, we're able to move through our day um, more quickly, particularly with the mundane, um, not safety critical tasks. However, uh, fast brain has gotten a, lo a lot of people and a lot of businesses into, uh, into a situation where um, outcomes aren't what they wished uh, would have happened because we, we really weren't focused and thinking there. Now, of course, we would never say, well, you know, a bad outcome has shown up here. And so you know, it's this employee's fault. Of course not. Um, I think everybody on this call is well past that already um, in, in that belief. But it really is about, hey, what about kind of the way our system is designed, the way that this job task is maybe designed as well? Um, that would have allowed some of this fast brain stuff to creep in and really just somebody to sort of zone out and not pay attention. So particularly Matt and I do a lot of work with organizations all around the world, kind of figure out well, how often does that happen? How does that occur within businesses? There's certainly a lot of data within a business around how physical hazards get people, you know, what can cut you and burn you and zap you and all that kind of thing, um, and, and how, we're, you know, how well we're doing preventing that from happening. Lots of data and metrics around that. What, what businesses are doing more now as well is they're quantifying how do some of these other, what we would call brain-centered hazards or you know, internal states, how do they impact day-to-day uh, -day work and the decision-making um, that people at a leadership level and at a frontline level um, are, are making every day? So I'm here I'm talking about things like stress, um, fatigue, distraction, just things like that. Um, so really anything like that that would play into um, somebody maybe on a given day getting something wrong. And so what we're seeing is yeah, there's a lot you can do to help people take control of those, what we would call brain-centered hazards, those internal states, so that you get a better result. Now, everybody on this call will be doing some level of this already, um, which could even be, uh, hey, this task is going, is going to take a while. And so let's make sure we have appropriate breaks kind of set throughout, maybe more breaks than, than we used to have so that people can take better um, care of themselves. So they're less likely to make an error. So you, there's real simple examples of that. Um, but you can also do, um, do some other things. We're actually building into um, the day-to-day -day work some prompts. So some things that we would want um, people to be thinking about and doing kind of as they um, tick along and go throughout their, go throughout their day. So, a, a prompt could be, you know, as simple as, hey, if, you, if you've got some kind of a um, plan of the day meeting that occurs, you know, toolbox talk, whatever you call it, you know, where you work, um, how do those states, those internal states, how do those things get discussed, um, you know, across everybody, not just by certain people, but how do they get discussed by most people um, most of the time? Because what we see is when we look at incidents that have, that have actually occurred, um, in almost every case, there's some of those internal states that have gone unmanaged, and we don't bag on employees for this ever, um, but it really is, hey, what could we have done better as a business to set people up for success here and also design the task um, so that it's uh, kind of aligns with how human beings go at work. Um, and that's some of the fun work um, that Matt and I get out together um, a fair bit together to do this kind of work. He's going to drill down on some of the details there in a few minutes, but Really things like, you know, what do people notice as, as they stand at a workstation? What do they see? What do they notice? What do they miss? Um, we know a lot about that in terms of how the human visual system works. Um, and, and so we can get ahead of that a little bit. How do you nudge or prompt people to um, take the safest action is what a lot of businesses um, engage DECA about is uh, we're not pushing or making or tricking people um, to do anything. It really is about hey, this is probably the best place to, sit, to stand, you know, let's say, in, to make it safer. And it even feels that way. It's marked that way. It's it, it just very apparent that this is where I should be. Um, and so other things that you can make really apparent, uh, what you'll see is it helps to guide safe decisions. Um, and yeah, you get more safe days that way. So this is, I would say, more on the sort of cutting edge of what um, safety looks like internationally. And you'll hear this mentioned in many different ways, safety differently, and it's got all kinds of different names and terms. Um, but what it really is, it, it's about helping people um, to kind of help themselves to stay safe, you know, so they can get back to their families and, and enjoy life. It's what it's really all about. So um, even within really great safety management systems, they all will have gaps. They'll, you're going to have things that are um, sort of uh, not working in the way that you want them to be. 
And, and that's pretty normal. Mike's gonna talk a little bit about that um, you know, closer to the end of our discussion here. And so that's yeah, important to know that the safest businesses on the world will be represented um, here you know, listening into this call right now. And um, you know, respectfully, there'll always be room for improvement. And so that's what it's all about. And that's probably why you've joined up here today. Um, and that's what the three of us are all about here um, as well as really what can we add in that doesn't uh, distract people or overwhelm people um, in their job, let's say. So it doesn't feel like it's a brand new car. We have to do this all differently. We have a new program that's arrived. Well, may maybe not. How about we just keep doing what we're doing, but we just tweak it, we just change it a little bit um, and do it a little bit differently so that it aligns sort of with best practices um, and, and the best safety science that we have currently always developing, always new things to read and see what's coming next. But we do know a lot about how people, um, for example, look around their environment um, and do they notice hazards? And do they not notice them? Um, Mike will be able to share some practical examples um, in his part of the conversation here about that in a little while, just about how that goes um, you know, around some belt rentals. So that's pretty cool. But people noticing, uh, noticing hazards and related exposure like never before. And so, Often, once you open people's minds to, hey, what would it look like if you tapped into you know, the full capabilities um, of the human visual system? What would happen if you did that? Does it cost any money to do that? It's really easy once you learn how to do that, to be able to look with purpose and notice more hazards that are out there. And, and hey, when you notice more um, detail, you can get after it um, and catch that. We can do the same thing when we're planning out our work. What was missing from our plan? You know, if there's an incident that happens, that's the first thing that gets talked about is how did we not see this coming? You know, we look to the, what do people miss from a hazard recognition point of view, but also what did we talk about in our plan? Was there a gap there maybe? And so how can we get, you know, get past that a little bit um, you know, at, as we go along? Because right? people are gonna make, make mistakes. It's really, it's just how we go. Um, so we, we like to talk a lot about building in prompts and kind of guiding people in the right direction. This can occur as well. You, you all may be doing things like this already, uh, maybe at a leadership level as well. Um, if you're like me, you can end up on um, phone calls or Teams calls or many hours you know, of the day. And so it's hard to even get a break in there sometimes, you know, a little bio break, say hello to the, the wife and kids, that kind of thing. Some days that's really hard to do that, but that's my fault. It, I haven't built something in there to say, I'm a human being. Um, what I generally do for a living is, is about um, helping people make decisions um, and providing insights and having conversations. And so part of my job is to be on point and be at the ready to be able to make the decisions and you know, influence people and things like that. That's part of what I do. But if I don't take those breaks and have built into my calendar, so I can get up from my desk and go do other things, I'm gonna have some issues there around decision quality um, as a leader in the decor business. Um, I'm probably gonna have some ergonomic issues as well. If I, if I sit in a chair all day and stare at a screen without any breaks. Um, so a lot of businesses are building in um, ways of working. You may have already done this, of course. We can always get better just to make sure that we're actually doing that. You know, would it hurt us to have a 45 minute meeting rather than an hour meeting so that people have you know, a little bit of a 15 minute refresh? Um, before they move on. Would we still be able to accomplish our goal in that meeting? But we also are sort of making sure people's decision quality is nice and high. Um, some of these decisions are pretty important and they impact a lot of people's safety depending on what you're talking about. So lots of things that sort of spill into this, um, this conversation um, that we're having here. But um, main point here, sort of in kicking us off here, you know, people are part of really great systems. I think they're the best part. And so yeah, respectfully, how do we keep people um, you know, performing at their best? There's all kinds of things that we can do in that regard um, to make sure that that happens. And so um, yeah, I'll pause there and, uh, and hand it over to the next part of our discussion here. Well, thank you, David. We have a, another poll question here. We wanna know a little bit about the organizations of our audience members. And the question is, how well aligned is your organization, including team members, in terms of the prioritization of the different risks you face? 
So we have four possible answers there. So we'll give you about 30 seconds to give us your answer that, that suits your organization best. Okay, and we'll go ahead and push those results forward now. And it looks like uh, well-aligned is uh, by far our best option and somewhat aligned coming in second. Um, Matt, I wanted to throw it to you for your thoughts about uh, what folks have said about their organizations. Yeah, thanks, uh, Barry, appreciate that. So the results there, uh, frankly, mirror uh, what we often see within organizations that we work with, organizations of all shapes, all sizes, uh, across industries, and, and even on a global scale, we often see that most organizations aren't fully aligned. They're aligned to a point, and that point can vary uh, a little bit, has varying degrees of, uh, of, uh, from, from within well and, and somewhat aligned. But what we know is that when we're not fully aligned, that can lead to significant um, issues when it comes to making decisions across an organization. So what we see often is that there's variability. There's, there's a, a bit of a misalignment, again, degrees of that uh, throughout organizations in terms of where safety truly fits in to the prioritization of the many competing risks that exist. Think things like safety, quality, uh, customer satisfaction, protecting the environment, protecting assets, uh, just to name some of those competing risks, think about those. They all exist. Many of those exist in an organization to varying degrees at any given time. And so we'll often go into an organization, we'll do a diagnostic assessment, and uh, we'll assess culture, we'll assess leadership. And we see that even that variability is often uh, not fully recognized as a challenge. And the perception of this alignment isn't necessarily representative of the reality of that misalignment. And so the work that I've done in, in, in my work with not only DECRA, but other organizations in, in my, uh, my history, I've seen the difference between perception and reality actually even grows a little bit bigger in terms of that alignment of risk, the further up I work within an organization. So I'd like you to think about it for a minute. I want you to think about all of the decisions that are made across uh, potentially hundreds, even thousands of different team members in your organization just across the course of one day. I want you to think about, as David mentioned earlier, many of those decisions, they're somewhat inconsequential. Uh, errors that result from those decisions, the impact is often unremarkable. But what we want to look at is that many of those decisions do have a higher potential, uh, have higher potential consequences associated with them. And if the decision is not right, the actions that follow that decision could result in error that leads to something uh, catastrophic. Uh, the worst case scenario is a serious injury or fatal type of incident. Now I want you to think about the significance of the impact of those critical decisions when they're left to the different individual team members in your organization. When organization does not define priorities of the different risk it faces, um, this is now in the hands of every single team member in your organization. And what we see is that this can often be quite problematic and result in decisions that really pull against safety and result in actions that lead to those undesirable outcomes, incidents, and other things based upon the decisions that were made that could result in errors. What we find is that the world-class organizations, those, those top-of-class organizations that we work with, they have a great handle on, they explicitly define for their organizations the priorities uh, of their different risks. Uh, these organizations put safety at the top every single time, or at least pretty close to it. So it really shouldn't be any secret that they're also the ones that consist that have those consistently safer outcomes, lower recordable injury rates, uh, fewer serious injuries and fatalities, higher rates of reporting close calls, 
uh, even safety concerns being brought up and communicated uh, more often. They are also the same organizations that, that have better outcomes relative to other business outcomes, including those things that I kind of mentioned earlier, quality, customer satisfaction, protecting the environment, protecting assets uh, of the many things that an organization looks out for. So what, what I'm saying here is that, and what we can truly say is that organizations that prioritize other business areas first will not see a spillover effect into safety while those that consistently prioritize safety at the top and truly have a sense throughout from top down in the organization of the prioritization of risks and what that looks like, those that put safety first will see greater gains in all aspects of your business. So for organizations like our partner today, and you'll hear Mike speak here shortly, uh, our partner today, Sunbelt Rentals, they have over 15,000 team members renting out potentially up to over 500,000 different pieces of equipment uh, across North America. And you think about that, prioritizing risks and aligning the organization from the top down for, for an organization like that is one of the key things that we would say and one of the key first steps in really driving more reliable human performance, creating those safer decisions that result in more consistent safe days. So those larger organizations like them, this becomes an extremely important piece of moving the needle when it comes to human performance reliability and it comes to creating those safer decisions and safer days. Another thing I wanna to speak to here and another piece that we work on in the human performance space at DECRA is that we support uh, moving the needle in safety performance, doing some consultative work on what we call human machine interface. And this is simply that, it is simply um, where people and equipment, industrial equipment interact, where they intersect. This could be things like a digger derrick, it could be cranes, it could be any number of different industrial uh, types of equipment. And what we typically do is this, uh, this consultation is typically done using a train the trainer type of approach where we transfer capabilities to leaders and team members within an organization to really begin looking more proactively at how the interaction between humans and that equipment actually, as much as we think it helps, actually can create additional potential for error. And especially when you look at it through the lens of our limitations as people that are really inherent to the way our brain is designed. And as David mentioned earlier, we talk about these limitations uh, and, and oftentimes they're very helpful things, but we refer to them in the sense of, of which they're not helpful as brain-centered hazards. And so in order to really move the needle with safety performance and really increasing uh, human performance reliability, it's important to take into a, a account the human machine interface. And we wanna look at it from a proactive perspective and with the design of the human brain in mind. What we often see when we go into an organization, we begin this consultation, it's typically twofold. One, there's not really a regular proactive approach to identifying how humans operate or work around equipment that can potentially impact the potential for error. The second piece here is that it's often not looked at with the human brain in mind. And so I'll give you an example here. So when a Sunbelt Rentals team member, uh, they're unloading multiple pieces of equipment off of a trailer, uh, a deck that sometimes barely fits the equipment on it. On it. Um, what we find is that uh, it's very easy to fall in that unconscious kind of thinking mode. David mentioned earlier, it's, we refer to it as fast brain. And it's, it's really looking at what could happen when maybe controls for example, uh, on similar pieces of equipment are just a little bit different. Uh, when we're not consciously thinking, that little difference in where those controls are creates a potential for us when we're operating out of habit to control that, well, it may not uh, give us the function that we're expecting. And so for an organization like Sunbelt, this could result in moving a piece of equipment off of a trailer versus actually down either onto it or off of it the, in the appropriate way. And so that with that small tolerance that they have for errors, 
there's not a whole lot of, uh, of, of uh, acceptance of any small deviation there. And so I'll give you another example. This is really analogous to when we go up a set of stairs. One step in the middle is just a bit taller. Our brain doesn't detect the difference, especially when we're in fast brain, really not consciously thinking through what we're doing. So our legs start to pick up at the same height that we're used to picking them up. And then we end up not clearing the step and we trip. The same thing can happen when we're working around industrial equipment. So the human machine interface work we do, it's really about detecting these types of exposures that can create greater potential for error and lead to those undesired outcomes. The work that we do here in, in that space is really focused on task design and how leaders and team members across operations will look proactively for those interactions between people and equipment that creates that greater potential for error. And really putting into place uh, those, those uh, key layers of protection that will reduce that potential for error, but also allow them to fail safely if an error does occur. The last piece I wanna to speak to here is all about this idea of creating an owner's manual for the brain. So we've talked about aligning our priority of competing risks. And, and the importance of, of that and doing that from the top down and how key that is and really for an organization to begin creating safer decisions and safer days, but we know in itself it's not fully reliable. We've talked about adding uh, processes, capabilities to detect the potential for errors when we've got people and equipment interacting. Um, the, but, but there's more that's needed here those alone are just not going to create the, that true human performance reliability that you desire. So what we wanna do is also work with leaders, work with frontline team members to develop individual and team capabilities. And we do this by introducing them to how the human brain works, giving them that, that what and that how, um, and really getting a sense of what is truly at the root of the errors that we make that continue to result in injuries and incidents across your organizations and many that we work with around the world. So through this kind of work, what we do is we teach people about the strengths of our brain. We teach them about the limitations of how the brain uh, really, it can help us out at times, but when we pair it with a, a dynamic high potential uh, exposure type of environment, it creates an elevation and exposure that can lead to errors. And what we know, and David talked about this a bit earlier, most of the time we get it right. We know that good people don't always get it right though. And it's really important to understand what prevents us from doing that consistently every time. How do we do that um, as an individual and as teams? So what we do is we align organizations on what drives our human performance errors and arm them with the capabilities to really combat those as an individual and team. And then we also help organizations to understand how we can take how the brain works more proactively and begin to put into place those layers of protection that can help to, uh, to design the work to really fit the, the individual people that are doing it. So we look at that systems approach, enhancing the design and the work activities that really uh, will help to move the needle a little bit forward. And also understand that doing that is going to help prevent some of those more catastrophic uh, types of events, those serious injuries and fatalities that continue to plague many organizations around the globe. So with that being said, um, as you take this in, you give thought to how does my organization do these things currently? Where's so, what do we do well? Where's our opportunities? Uh, I want to turn it back to Barry for the next poll question. And then we're going to hear from Mike, uh, our partner here at Sunbelt. Uh, and, and hear about how they've significantly moved their performance needle and what they've done to truly make it happen safely. Thank you, Matt. We will go ahead and launch that next poll question for our audience here. And the question is, all safety management systems are imperfect. Which effective methods have you found that add protective value and help identify these? We've got three choices for folks there, and we'll give you about 30 seconds or so to go ahead and log in your answer here.
All right, and as we push those results out to everyone, it looks like we have a, a fairly even split. Uh, there are uh, bottom answer there is our most popular, uh, according to our audience. And I know that, uh, Mike, you wanted to speak to some of these methods. So I'll go ahead and throw the presentation over to you, Mike. Hey, thanks, Barry. You know, I, I have to admit, I'm a little bit surprised by the results of that, that poll. And I'm, I'm wondering if some folks selected because it was the longest answer. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> hey, in all honesty and, and full transparency, transparency, I think all of those answers are important and, and play a part uh, as part of a safety management system and part of moving the needle when it comes to, to safety performance. Now that said, I wanna share, you know, as Matt and, and David would have mentioned, some of the things that we're doing here at Sunbelt that have indeed helped us move the needle, all with the intent of creating those safe decisions resulting in safe days. But before I do that, I wanna just go back in history a little bit. I think it's important to understand where we've come from and where we've been only a, a few short year, years ago when, when we partnered with DECRA. Um, you know, on this slide, you, you see a picture of a, a caterpillar in a shadow of a butterfly. When I saw that graphic, I, I thought it was just spot on because when I think back to a few years ago, I think in us not being involved, where, or at least where we wanted to be just yet, um, and for the record, I want to be clear, I still think we're evolving and, and, and are going to continue to evolve into the future. Um, but back at that time, I would call us a more traditional sort of safety organization, more traditional organization period, in that we were talking in terms of lagging metrics, recordable incidents, lost workday cases, um, and, and those sorts of things. And those type of metrics really weren't telling us were we good or were we lucky uh, when it came to safety performance? So we engaged DECRA to do uh, a cultural assessment for us. And you know, in typical Sunbelt fashion, we had really strong participation. Uh, nearly 90% of our team members across the organization participated in that survey, although it's not a survey. Um, but, but we learned a lot from that. Um, what we learned was overall, we had pockets of excellence um, in many, if not most of our locations, but we also had pockets of what we'll call inconsistencies or, or maybe gaps or, or even red flags that at the time we didn't really have a way to proactively do something about that. So as we continued on this, this, uh, this journey, if you will, with DECRA, there was a couple things we knew we needed to do sort of right off the bat. And, and the first was almost redefining what safety meant to us. What was our definition of safety at Sunbelt Rentals? And um, I say that because it, I, th I think if you go back in time, again, just a few years ago, many of our folks within the organization would have said, well, we want everyone to go home the same way they came to work which is obviously an outcome that everyone wants. But again, we didn't really have a good idea. Is that because we were lucky or because we were good? Um, and, the, and the second thing that Matt sort of alluded to earlier uh, around focusing in on the stuff that matters most, uh, we decided to focus in heavily on those exposures that can lead to a serious injury or worse. I think some will call it SIF, some will call it FSI, we call it the stuff that can kill. And, and we, we sort of rebranded it a little bit or, or gave it a different name because we think it resonates more with our team members in the field where it does matter the most, where the work's being done. And, and so we wanted to focus in on that and, and make sure that we have controls in place for those types of activities, the really serious stuff. And then the last thing I'll say as I took us back in time a little bit, uh, when we started, and this is probably the most important point, um, our CEO basically said, when it comes to safety, he didn't want to be the best in our industry. He simply wanted to be the best. Um, and, and that has really carried through this entire uh, engagement that we've had with DECRA. Um, and, and, and many times you'll hear him being quoted as saying, if it's not safe for our people and our customers, we won't do it. Um, and, and that has really resonated throughout the organization. And 
really the commitment from all senior leaders within Sunbelt has, it's, let's face it, it's, it's a difference maker, right? So, you know, that first bullet on there, safest year in history, that is a true statement. Um, and, and of course, from your, our more traditional metrics like recordable incidents and also lost workday cases, but it's also from some leading metrics as well. Um, you know, we take a look at uh, our exposures and uh, how we are doing with controlling those exposures through a process we call critical control checks. I'll get to that more here in, in a minute. Um, so, so what that means is each one of our locations that you might go pick up some do-it-yourself equipment for a weekend project or when you see our green trucks rolling down the highway, each one of those locations has a set of leading metrics and many of those are focused in on the stuff that can kill. Um, the second bullet point is interesting, uh, and I heard Matt say it earlier about make it happen safely. If I go back to in, in time just a little bit again, and, and even when I first started with Sunbelt Rentals, uh, that was very much a mantra for us, uh, make it happen, make it happen for our customers. And to some degree, it's pretty cool, but could present a bit of conflict, if you will, maybe you call it goal conflict uh, with safety due to it maybe being misinterpreted from time to time that folks would maybe hear make it happen, but in, in their head, they were hearing make it happen no matter what, or make it happen at any cost. And nowadays, while it's, it's not necessarily as prevalent for us to, to use that, that term, but when we do hear it, we hear it in terms like, Matt just said it, make it happen safely. We're safely making it happen. So um, it's, it's been a really good cultural shift from that perspective. And then you see a, a design, a logo, if you will, at the, at the bottom of this slide that it's, it's really what the culmination of all this effort has led us to. And it's the way that we have branded this entire effort and it's called Engage for Life. Uh, and it's really resonated through our leadership team, through every aspect of the organization. And it's, it's all around and pointed toward transforming the way we do safety, which is transforming the way we do business by putting safety at the forefront of what we do. Um, so part of that is really working to enhance and improve safety skills, again, at every level of the organization, from how our leaders have conversations about safety with team members, but also how our team members uh, make decisions and things like uh, notice hazards or even plan their work um, all ties in together through, through Engage for Life. So David, next slide. So in, into a, a bit of the specifics on, on how we're, we're approaching this, um, I mentioned a lot of effort going into improving skills at, at all levels of the organization, but okay, how, how do you do that? After we train and after we communicate and after we build in this, these new skill sets into existing systems and processes, and oh, by the way, after we communicate some more, how do we know if it's working? How do we, how do we know if it's soaking in where, again, where it matters the most? Um, so we've developed this approach. It's a learning team approach, all focused in on how we reduce stick exposure. Um, and we partner with our market leaders out in the field. Uh, we have regional vice presidents, district managers, regional managers, territory directors, and of course, safety professionals that are coming together to take a look at the, the, the skills and the practices and the activities that are intended to be driving down this, you know, proactively driving down this exposure, you know, how well is it working? Um, so some of the things we look at, we look at the evidence of what we call our we statements. Uh, again, something else that was born out of Engage for Life. Uh, things like we engage, we speak up, we pause work, we care. Uh, those are sort of some of our guiding principles, if you will, for lack of a better term, that how we, we all come together and norm on our, uh, our we statements. Um, of course, during these, these learning team events, we, we do some assessing, 
but I, I want to be really clear that for us, it's, it's not an audit. It's not your typical safety, health and environmental audit. It's, it's not an inspection. Uh, the team is really there to, to look at and try to highlight the good stuff, uh, the stuff that is moving the needle, the best practices, if you will, uh, that, again, are proactively reducing and keeping exposure low. Um, a lot of it's done through conversation and listening, a lot of listening. Um, yep, we, we find red flags and gaps from time to time, but it really gives us an opportunity to, to kind of course correct immediately and reinforce those activities that we know will drive down exposure. Um, and then I think uh, go to the next bullet, you know, the, the takeaway. And I, I just, I think that really says it all. It, it gives us a way um, to come together and this type of engagement gives us the opportunity to do just that. Focus on what matters the most, those high potential, those stick exposures, if you will, where it matters the most. Um, and that's where the work's being done. Um, but in, in all honesty, if it weren't for the leaders at each and every one of our locations, these, these, these types of events would not be a success. Um, I, th I think if you take that away, it, it ends up becoming more of what I'm used to in terms of like a safety inspection or a safety audit. Um, so, you know, as I, I sort of get toward the end of, of, of what I wanted to share with everyone, I wanted to, you know, this is sort of my disclaimer and I wanted to make something really clear that we don't have all this stuff figured out uh, by, by any stretch. But, but what I will say is it's been a really cool journey so far to take this type of approach. <clears throat> and what's even cooler, I think, is that you can hear it in the conversations that we're having around Sunbelt Rentals and, and you can feel it as well. Uh, for simple things like when we might, maybe we need to roll out a new initiative or a new program or something like that. The conversations now that we have with operational leaders and our senior leaders is just that much easier. Um, and oh, by the way, we're, we, as mentioned before, we, we are starting to see uh, performance improvement as well, both from a, a lagging and more traditional metric perspective as, as well as in our leading metrics. So um, I think that's kind of the end of what I had to share. I just wanna say thanks for the opportunity. Well, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. And also to uh, David and to Matt for sharing your expertise and your insights with us today. Um, before we transition into the q and I just wanted to share a reminder with our audience members that if you'd like to ask a question, just click that Q&A button located at the bottom of your screen, type in your question and press the send button. Before we get to the q and I also want to let everyone know about the evaluation survey that we're asking you to complete today. The survey will open in a different screen after this webinar, and your input is really important to us because it does help us to improve our future webcasts. And with that, gentlemen, I'd like to go ahead and get to some questions that have come in from our audience. Um, Matt, I'd like to direct the first one your way. Um, one of our audience members says that humans are prone to mistakes, and when we suggest that we can mistake-proof a human, is that reality? Yeah, that's a great, great comment. And we get this quite often. Uh, what we know that is definitively true is that humans are absolutely prone to making errors. They are prone to making mistakes. Where I think the hang up here is and what we want to emphasize is that this isn't about uh, error, a mistake proofing the human. This is about taking into account what we know that drives those mistakes and errors and using that information to build in how we design the work and work-related activities that then help to minimize the potential for those mistakes, those errors. And we absolutely know that that can happen. We've seen it through capability development within the individuals and teams within our organization, client organizations, uh, as well as other additive layers of protection that uh, some of which we've mentioned here um, today. David, I don't know if uh, you've got anything else to add there, but just looking to see if there's any additional thoughts from your side. Um, so, no, I would agree that, um, I mean, we humans are pretty impressive, I have to say. Um, so we, we the, the very clever things that are able to be um, created on this planet, just through work, no matter what industry, it's amazing to see what can be done and how that can be done safely as well. 
So now the work that, um, that the three of us really do is in celebration of, of great people and how they make it happen and, and, and get things accomplished. And then to Matt's point, yeah, it really is about, yeah, let's focus on the system and how we kind of respectfully design things um, that, that have people kind of sit more in their successes, if you will. When you look at when somebody gets something wrong, there's usually a good pathway. We kind of look at the breadcrumbs that led up to it. There's, there's good evidence to see kind of why that happened. And so you know, once we know that, then we can go backwards and have a look and say, hey, let's, let's clean some of that up and just make it easier for people to get it right more often. Um, it's, it's the best we can do. And I think that's what, that's, what's, that's what great safety is all about. It's the system gets better year on year on year. I, I think of my, my own dad was an underground coal miner for 25 years. So I spent a lot of time listening to people being injured at work stories um, as a child. That's probably why I'm here talking to you today and do this for a living. Um, but he never got hurt. He never once had any kind of serious injury ever in, in all that time. And when I talk to him now about it, what he has to say about it is, hey, my company did a bunch of things to keep me safe, but it wasn't perfect. And I had to do some things for myself and I had to help my teammates out as well. And together, that, that's led to a good result. And I think that's more reality. Um, and, and so this is, I would say, characterized from the work that, um, that, that we do is we take a very practical approach to getting things right more often. It's a good question. Great, thanks, David. We, we have another question here from our audience for Mike. Um, and what our audience member wants to know, Mike, is what are the leading metrics that your organization is, is specifically looking at? If you could discuss those. Sure. Um, so they've changed. Uh, I, I think it's probably important to look at those on a, on a frequent basis. For us, we do it annually. Uh, but currently, we're looking at things I think I mentioned, critical control checks. So again, it's a way for a leader and a team member to have an engagement around those serious exposures and make sure that uh, controls are in place 100% of the time. And, and so we look at that as a, as a proactive way to, to, to look at and reduce and control exposure versus trying to learn about it through incidents or events. So that's one. Uh, there's a training component to that. Um, you know, at Sunbelt Rentals, we put, I wanna say, I'm gonna get this probably wrong, but over 230 million miles on the road every year. So driving is a really important uh, task for us. It obviously comes with tons of exposure. So we have a defensive driving program that we want to make sure uh, all of our company drivers stay up to speed on. Uh, that's one. Um, we look at proactive events uh, as well. So I think this would fall into the bucket of your traditional near misses or near hits, but also good catches. And not only are we reporting them at our locations, but are we having good, robust conversation and discussion around them? So we, we measure that as well. Um, and hopefully that gives a flavor. You know, uh, in, in previous years, we've had other types of, of training on there and, and certification. Operator certification uh, was really important to us last year to make sure we, we got that up to 100%. We, we have to, uh, to move a lot of forklifts, load a lot of forklifts, uh, MUPS, you know, mobile elevating work platforms. So need to make sure our team members are up to speed on that. And it was very effective in getting us there. So... Hopefully that answers the question. Great, thank you, Mike. Uh, the next one, question I have, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Barry, one, one thing I'd like to add that I think is uh, really helpful here that we've seen Sunbelt Rentals do is that they've, they've integrated some of those proactive uh, metrics. They've integrated some of the actionable pieces to those into their performance expectations for their leaders. And in doing that, that really creates better alignment in terms of, hey, what, am, what is my part in this? What am I expected to do? And how does that generate the success and the desired outcomes that we're looking for? And so they're linking all of this together from the top down, which I think really provides a, a really a, a better uh, foundation for ensuring that they'll get the success that they're striving for here. Great. Thank you, Matt, for appreciate you adding that on. Um, David, our next question goes to you. Uh, our audience member asks, uh, what are the two top uh, brain-centric focal points or areas that you would recommend to any employer uh, to focus on in order to enhance the decision-making and the risk identification capabilities of workers? That's yeah, a good question. So what we often will do is we'll have a tour through um, existing uh, incident narratives. So this is a good way to uncover, hey, what's already happening? What's happened within our incidents where we've seen um, you know, 
these what we would call seven brain centered hazards. So seven ways that uh, that 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 human beings tend to get things wrong. Sort of precursors to human errors. Um, the the two that were mentioned here are examples of those. And so um, it can be different kind of company by company. You know what what are the issues that are happening? But typically, so what we see if we were to look kind of across all the the global work that we do, um, we see um, a lot of what we call fast brain functioning. So there's there's opportunities for people to kind of zoom, just kind of focus in uh, while they're doing a particular task. And what they say when something goes wrong, they, they, you know, when they're being kind of interviewed and asked about, hey, hey ha, you know, what happened here? Um, they'll say things like, yeah, just totally zoned out, was thinking about something else. And typically we're human, this is what happens. Um, when somebody gets injured, it's just that person that's gotten nicked here. Um, it's, it's happening you know, a lot to everybody. This is our kind of default setting, if you will is to um, not be zoned in and pay attention. That, that's, that's how we wake up in the day. Um, so um, the three of us will hear a lot about sort of complacency. Um, sometimes you read in the incident narrative as well, it'll say things like, uh, the employee became complacent while doing their job. And I always say, no, that's not what happened. We're, our default is complacent. And so if it was important, what have we built into the task that would have us focus at a particular transition point? And that's really what the goal is. But we should assume that people will sort of zone out, put it in neutral kind of mentally. This is what we do for energy con uh, conservation reasons. So the fast brain functioning is usually top of the list um, for most companies. He's just doing some work with an airline um, and they, um, in uh, 90 something percent of their incidents uh, were flagged with uh, fast brain functioning issues. So just people rolling with habits, not thinking at all um, during uh, many, many uh, incidents, most incidents. Second to that, that we would also we would definitely flag um, fatigue. So when you are fatigued, so you haven't had enough uh, high quality sleep to recharge uh, what we would call your slow brain. We've mentioned the fast brain language a few times here, but slow brain just a, a, a way to talk about your consciousness, your conscious brain. Um, if we haven't done that, you are really susceptible to distraction. You're, you're really susceptible to um, fast brain as well. So you'll be more likely to be in fast brain because you haven't slept and recharged your brain. Um, so those are two of the, the bigger ones um, that come through, but they're all important. You know, things like distraction, stress and urgency, um, relying on your memory, and also things that can go wrong from a social perspective. So you know, let's say Matt and I were working together. Um, what are some hindrances that can creep in pretty naturally? because we know each other, we, we work well together, we might stop communicating and talking with each other. That's an example of a brain-centered hazard that can creep in um, in these incidents as well. Great, thank you, David. And I wanted to uh, send our next question along here to Matt. Uh, Matt, we have someone who'd like to know, why are so many organizations investing time in human performance improvement and error reduction? And, and what has changed about that? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I, I could take all sorts of time with this, and I'll try and keep this succinct. So organizations, what we're finding is that they're really diving more into the data. They're more educated on what is working for other organizations, what's everybody else doing, but they're also really diving in to understand what's the data telling us. And so um, they see what's currently in place with their safety systems, um, and, and they find that uh, that they've only worked to a certain point. Those safety systems, those processes that are currently in place have only really taken them to a certain point. And uh, they found, found that, hey, we've worked to develop leaders. We've transformed culture. We've really deployed the latest and greatest safety systems we, we, we have, but they're still seeing incidents occurring. And so what we know is that regardless of the strength of the culture, the strength, strength of the leaders, strength of the safety systems, errors will still occur unless the true root of those errors is addressed. And the other piece here is that organizations are, are realizing that what's driving their uh, 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 improvement with their recordable incident rates is not affecting serious injury and fatality rates in the same way. And what we know is that a significant percentage of SIF types of incidents are driven by human error. And again, until those true root causes are addressed, uh, and with their own specific layers of protection, they will just continue to happen. And they'll end up causing pr those predictable surprises across uh, your organization. The last piece here is that I think, and David talked to this, that organizations are seeing that human performance isn't this big adult, this big thing that we need to just toss in on top of all the other things that we have, the other administrative pieces. 
but it 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 actually what it does is it it's when it's done well it complements and actually enhances the systems that already exist within the organization. Great, thank you so much, Matt. It looks like we have uh, looking at the clock. We have time for one more quick question today, and um, I would like to ask you, Mike. Uh, given the gains that your organization has had so far, uh, what is Sunbelt Rentals planning to do next in safety to, to continue to get better? Conquer the world. No, um, joking. Uh, so Sunbelt, is, we're, we're constantly pursuing improvement, right? Um, and I think when you think about where we're at on this journey uh, with how we're transforming safety, how we're transforming our business, we're just planting the seeds. And, you know, to some degree, I was, I was talking with, with my boss the other, other day, Anthony Miller, uh, we were joking that we hope it's weeds because, you know, weeds will grow just about anywhere. And we wanted to fill in all of those gaps, all of those places that we, we needed to do and have it permeate throughout the organization. So I, I you know, I think we're going to continue on this path for, for some time and, and see where uh, we need to fill in those gaps. Great. Well, thank you, Mike. And folks, unfortunately, we've run out of time today. I'm sorry that we didn't get to everyone's questions, but all the unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speakers. And again, I also hope you'll take some time to share the feedback uh, via our survey. I'd like to thank our outstanding presenters today, Mike Christian, David Musgrave, and Matt Hargrove, everyone from our sponsor at Dacre North America, and of course, all of you who joined us today. This ends today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. Take care, everyone, and have a safe day. Take care.